0: FM 104 is switched on and I'm joined by the founder of Orb Media, Kira Sheehan. Hello. Hi, Louise. Thank you very much for joining us once again to chat all about the metaverse. But this week we're chatting about Apple and their watches. They're in a bit of a sticky situation with them.
1: Yes. In the week where the Apple Vision Pro is due to open for taking orders, and mm-hmm. um, the, the whole market should be talking about reviewing the product and how amazing it is but everybody's talking about the drama around the Apple Watch. You love a bit of drama. So, yeah, love a bit of Apple drama, tech <laughs> drama. It's great. So the story is this. If anyone has an Apple Watch, um, there's a feature on it that measures your blood oxygen levels. It's called a VO2. And the higher your blood oxygen level, the more fit you are mm-hmm. and more cardiac fitness you have. So that's been on all the watches forever. Nobody ever questioned it. But a lawsuit um, came to prominence there a few years ago because Apple were accused of infringing on a patent for that functionality that was originally brought to market by a medical device company called Massimo. And recently, a federal appeals court ruled that Apple cannot import its Apple watch models that include the blood oxygen feature, while an appeal of a ban that's being implemented by the International Trade Commission plays out in court. So there's two models at the moment they're not allowed to import or to sell. Now, over the Christmas season, some of their resellers have sold it, but they're not allowed to sell it because of the infringement. But the drama part comes in where an ex-employee of Massimo, who by all chances sounds a bit erratic, he was there for 10 years and he sent a letter to Tim Cook saying that he was willing to join Apple, that he had really strong ideas and really um, up-to-date market knowledge that would enable him to bring new features and benefits to their Apple Watch. So within hours of him sending that letter, the HR department from Apple were on to him and off he went and he joined Apple. And he only lasted a month because he wanted his own team, he wanted unrestricted budgets and he wanted to do what he wanted to do completely unauthorized. So After that, then Apple then came out and developed this particular functionality. So one of their defences in court is that this guy wasn't there long enough and there's no way that this whole thing could have come to fruition based on the documentation that he had. So when he left Apple, the same guy went off and started a startup called True Wearables, where he again tried to. Represent that patent Mm. technology in his own startup and uh, then the same parent company massimo they got him shut down and that's why they were really confident that they would get apple shut down so there's kind of the the case is playing out at the moment but um as per the court ruling then apple are not allowed to sell these two watches they can only bring in earlier versions without this um oxygen blood measuring functionality right. but that's gonna mm-hmm.
0: that's gonna affect sales and everything for them especially because they're gonna to have to postpone and hold back on on these watches being put out into the world
1: well it is going to definitely have a an impact on their sales and on the customer expectations yeah. as well and then the data so i i, I always i stopped using mine because it's like i actually don't want apple to have this much detailed information, information on mm. my health data mm. So I stopped using it. But and that's why I wonder, like, where does that data go? Can we be sure it's never, ever going to be sold or it's never going to be manipulated? You know, um, and effectively, it's our bodies producing this data. So I think there's definitely implications. But I love the fact that there's a good old court case. It's really kind of a succession type um, drama to see how it all, all unfolds. And especially when Apple should be really, you know, singing and dancing about the new Vision Pro. Uh, three and a half thousand dollars do they ever give information
0: be... about the data like do you ever really know where it's going
1: well I personally have huge reservations about that mm-hmm. and that's borne out by the fact that I had a Fitbit for years and then Google bought Fitbit and they bought all the data with it okay. and Fitbit owners had no say in it
0: yeah I didn't know that even existed and I had a Fitbit for years yeah so you know there's a couple of ways to look at
1: it and my thing is that my body is actually producing this data. Like yeah. I am going running for 10K and you're going to take this data and probably sell it back to me or put up the price of my life insurance <laughs> sell it in the future. So <laughs> so no, it's that's not happening. <laughs> but like that's the reality of it. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, maybe I am being a bit paranoid, but that's where I see it going. And then the other side of it is that people who are trying to focus on all the micro data that their fitness device use It's not necessarily the right thing for your mental health all the time. Yeah.
0: I don't like getting so much information all the time. I I got rid of the Fitbit at at Christmas time because I was kind of like, I don't need you to tell me I had a bad night's sleep. I kind of know it. (laughs) I can feel it. So I kind of just for now, like I'll put it on every so often if I'm going for a walk or something just to have the info for myself. But like, yeah I don't need it all the time. I kind of took a step back from it and was like, yeah I don't think I need all this information. I'm already getting information from everywhere else in, in the world so I don't think I need it. Do we know how long this court case might go on for?
1: Well Apple, so it's been handed down by this international, um, international court to say that no they're not allowed to do it. But I'm sure they are going to Appeal it while all that stock is on
0: hold. I'd imagine so. Yeah. So I it was the
1: International that. Trade Commission who 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 laid down it. the law. Mm. And you know, let's see how it unfolds. I'm not sure what the timelines are, but I think you find in these corporate cases that there's appeal after appeal after yeah, it takes appeal. A while. Yeah.
0: And we were talking about a couple of other yeah. musicians who've jumped into the metaverse, and Doja Cat has joined them as well.
1: Yes, Doja Cat has joined the Metaverse with our friends over in Meta. Mm. So she recorded a gig on her last tour. It was the third last gig of the tour in Detroit, in a big arena um, in Detroit. So she obviously would have been completely stage perfect at that point in the tour. So I'm sure it's a flawless performance. Um, Very well done, captured with really strong technology by specialists specialist in the area. Actually, they're very well known. Um, the company who've done it, they've been around a long time. So... They have put it into Meta. It goes live this weekend. So you have to access it through an Oculus headset and you have to access it through Meta's Horizon World. So it's not open to everybody, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit disappointing. It's one of the bugbears I have with the gatekeepers, this technology. However, it will be shown three or four times in the next month. And you have to RSVP. And then I tried to RSVP and then you have to enter all your data. So I stopped at that point. Okay. But um. It, it's one of those things where, it's you know, it's, an in, it's interesting to see. And if you were a huge Doja Cat fan, you might go and buy a headset. You know, those headsets are not an, as expensive, but they're not going to have the same yeah the same pizzazz that you'd have from the Apple one.
0: You know? We also need to go back to Bitcoin because so, we mentioned it when we finished off last week. So they were looking at regulating it. Did it happen?
1: So what happened was the people who sell stocks and shares were regulated as Bitcoin enabled to sell stocks and shares. So the way to describe it as simply as I can is this: is like if you or I wanted to buy gold, we wouldn't know where to get to buy the gold. We wouldn't want to store the gold in our houses, and we wouldn't want we wouldn't know what to do if we lost the gold. So therefore, when we want to buy gold, we would go to a stockbroker and say, "I want to invest five thousand euros in gold at this price," and they would go off and get it, and you would know that's in a little pot somewhere. And it's safe and you can draw upon it when you want to cash in your stocks. And effectively, they've done the same thing with Bitcoin. For kind of for the reasons that we have actually discussed before, which are that if you or I wanted to buy Bitcoin, we would have to go and get our digital wallet. Mm -hmm. We would have to go and have the currency to buy the Bitcoin. We'd have to go through the process and the whole user experience is quite daunting and unpleasant and, you know, it's quite risky as well as we found out in our company. So what the, the the technical term for it is that the it's the approval of 11 Bitcoin exchange traded funds or EFTs right. and they've been regulated by the US Security and Exchange Commission. So it just means that if you or I wanted to get involved in Bitcoin, we could say, right, so a Bitcoin trades at between 43,000 and 47,000 euros, for example, we'd say, right, I want to invest 20,000 in Bitcoin. So they would go off and secure half a Bitcoin at whatever price and then you would have it in your portfolio the same as you would have stocks and shares and gold. Okay. So it kind of means it's, it's opened up to, to everybody in a secure way but Bitcoin itself is not regulated as an entity. Uh, okay.
0: But I suppose it's good that it's been monitored or looked at by somebody and it's kind of been controlled by somebody.
1: Well, it's good. It's good in the sense that it's a positive development in the space.
0: Yeah.
1: In that the guys who are in charge of the of of sourcing and keeping it are being regulated. And they're big guys like BlackRock and Fidelity Investments, mm-hmm. who would be, you know, household names, probably, you know, the biggest companies in the world. Now, that's not to say that the biggest companies in the world, you know, don't fail or it doesn't go pear shaped as we've seen. But it is it's not as Wild West.
0: Yeah, it's more legit. As it was. yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's got an an area and a kind of um, a bit of legitimacy wrapped around it. And with that will come, you know, the scaling into the average Mm -hmm. investor might have a bit more confidence and a bit more security entering into the market, which will lift the market. And then so this is Bitcoin. So the next one after this will be Ethereum. There'll probably only be two or three. They're the main ones. If you think of it like dollars and euros and then you have lots of tiny ones to come behind them. And if anybody wants to know how it works, I would encourage them to watch the movie Bitcoin. Because when you watch that movie, it's, it's all very well explained in a very entertaining way. And that's kind of the, the, the spin to put on it. It's like Ethereum and Bitcoin would be like euros and dollars. And then after that, you get into smaller currencies for smaller states. And that's when it gets really risky.
0: Excellent. Kira Sheehan, founder mm. of Media. Thank you so much for chatting to us.
1: You're welcome.